because I love to, to pour out of my cup, I know it needs to be a full cup. And so I have to always make sure I'm good so that I can give. Hey everyone, Emily Abadi here, bringing you a special week of content here on Hurdle. This week, I am chatting all about motherhood. And although I'm not a mom just yet, my talks with hurdlers over the years have taught me so much about this life chapter. I've learned that motherhood itself is both beautiful and challenging, exhausting and rewarding. And whether or not children are in the cards for you, it's safe to say that we've all been dramatically impacted by a mother, whether it be our own or another in our lives. So leading up to Mother's Day this weekend, I'm chatting with six extraordinary women, some moms, some not, but each with their own story to tell, forever shaped by the women that came before them. To kick things off, I am bringing you my conversation with Rachel Nix. She's the founder of a nonprofit called Birth Queen, founding mirror trainer, actor, Lululemon ambassador, and a mother too. A lot of takeaways here with Rachel. My biggest are that joy is just so important. And we have the conscious choice to choose joy each and every day. And for Rachel, doing so empowers her to be a better mother, to soak in more moments and be more present with her boys and empowers her to show up at home and at work. Although for so many this year, those two things have been one and the same. Rachel also highlights struggles that she faces as a black mother, sharing some alarming statistics that encouraged her to become both a doula and a lactation consultant, as well as found Birth Queen. Birth Queen aims to educate, support, and empower Black women and parents, enriching the Black birth experience and save lives through funding trainings for doulas, midwives, and lactation consultants. Now, before I get into my chat with Rachel today, I do want to thank my sponsor at Picky Bars for empowering me to create this week of content for you. Picky Bars combines real food nutrition with athletic performance and they taste great. The company has expanded well beyond their original bar into a lineup that suits all of my pre and post workout needs. I'm talking performance granola. I cannot get enough of their PB and J all day flavor. They've got performance oatmeal, pancakes, and their drizzle. Listen, I know I talk to you all about a lot of great products on the show. The Picky Bars Drizzle is the most delicious thing I have consumed in maybe 2021. Bold statement, I know. I have been looking forward to every single morning spreading a nice layer of the Picky Bars Drizzle on a really solid piece of whole grain toast after my workout. Chef's kiss. (laughs) It is so good. Piggy Bar was created by three professional athletes, and I love that they focus on creating fuel with real food that is nutritionally crafted for sustained, balanced energy. Of course, I've got a great offer for you. Piggy is offering Hurdle listeners 20% off at pickybars.com slash hurdle, which means that you can save while also loading up on my favorites, which, as I stated, that drizzle is unbelievable, as is my go-to bar, the Smooth Caffeinator, but tons of great options here. Again, that is is pickybars.com. That's P-I-C-K-Y-B-A-R-S.com slash hurdle to get 20% off your order of more than $25 today. No code necessary. As always, make sure you're keeping up with Hurdle on social at Hurdle Podcast. I'm over at Emily Abadi. And with that, let's get to hurdling. Hurdling. 
Today, I am chatting with Rachel Nix. She is a New York City Lululemon ambassador, founder of Birth Queen, mirror trainer, actor, so many things. How are you doing today? I'm good. I I am battling allergies, but I got a workout in and I'm feeling better. I'm still like sounding nasally, but I feel like when you sound the worst, you st- are starting to feel better, which I'm here for. I'm here for that too. I'm here for that yeah. too. And I, I saw in your story last night on Instagram, trying to sleep with two kids at home is an extreme sport. What time was that? That was that actually, I think it was already almost 5 a.m., but or I don't know. Time is interesting also when you're a parent, but I'm breastfeeding right now. And so I'm not really, I'm not a sleep training mom. Um, I just don't have the heart for it. And my oldest, he's a Scorpio. So if anybody knows anything about Scorpios, they like physical touch. And so that's Samuel. And he is the best big brother ever. So he knows his baby brother is in bed with us. And it's really not about him trying to get in bed with us. He wants to cuddle his little brother. It's the cutest thing on the planet. Baldwin's cool. Like, he doesn't need to be held, but he needs, like, the booby, like, in a certain distance from his face or his face in my armpit. And so (laughs) if I literally turn my back to him, he's like, eh. In his sleep. I'm like, dude, can I just, can I get a second? Nah. Okay, cool. And then they are like both trying to scoot closer to one another and closer to me. And I'm literally like, we have like a platform on our bed. So I usually have like a hand or a knee holding myself in the king bed. It's, it's hilarious. And I just laugh. And then of course, like I'll have a moment where I'm like, I'm gonna put Baldwin in, in his crib. And then here comes Samuel from his room. And then he wakes, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. The whole thing, the whole thing. I love both of their names, but I really love the name Baldwin. Thank you. Thank you. What's the, uh, what's the root for that? James Baldwin. I mean, I had Baldwin September 28th, 2020 in the thick of that year. (laughs) I'm like, what, what is the adjective to describe, you know, and to keep it light, but keep it real. Like I, my whole third trimester, I was having anxiety attacks with just everything that was going on in our country and the world, honestly. And knowing that I was bringing another Black man into this world was very beautiful and very scary. And we were, we knew Samuel Otis Lyons IV, his older brother, has a very strong name. So we always knew we had to like come with a name that could like level, you know, meet that same Uh, strength of his brother's name. And so my husband knew he wanted his middle name to be my maiden name, which is Nix. His name is Baldwin Nix Lyons. And Porter was on the table and it was first in line, but I knew my mommy gut was like, it's not his name. Uh, And I was sitting very pregnant on the couch one day and I was like, it's Baldwin. And I just love everything that James Baldwin represents from his courage to his artistry to his you know, sexuality and his openness and confidence with that during that time. I'm also an artist. So I just, I was here for it and it, it fit and it's strong, but not like hard hitting. So yeah. And it, it fits him. So my little Baldwin <laughs> and my little Samuel. <laughs> you just mentioned having Baldwin during COVID and obviously an unbelievable time or maybe believable, I guess, depending on where you're coming from for, (laughs) for our country. Uh, 
I would be interested if you have anything to highlight about your experience, more so being pregnant during COVID, because I think a lot of women and moms who had their baby and some like a complete pregnancy during Mm -hmm. that time last year, it was just kind of unlike anything before. Yeah, I think I was blessed that I it was my second child. And I don't know if it was my faith or just the fact that I had to be his mama, you know, and I needed to hold it down for Samuel and this unborn baby, that COVID did not shake me from my center. So when I was struck off balance, it wasn't because of COVID, um, because I was like, I know what the facts are. I will do my part to protect my child and my unborn child and myself and my immediate family. Um, And that's just what I can do. And so that didn't produce anxiety for me. Um, I knew because I have very arduous labors that I would not be wearing a mask while laboring. So I was like, everybody else can mask up, but I will not be um, with a mask. And so the vaccine would just hit hospital and essential workers as I gave birth. Yeah. So I think my faith got me through that and I, and I was okay. I steered away from like constantly watching the news every morning. Yeah. You know, but it is what it is. Like you can't control it. And I, part of motherhood and I tell people all the time when you let go of control period in life, it's more enjoyable. Um, and if you're constantly trying to control uncontrollable variables, life is a lot more stressful. So I just kind of was like, yeah, you gotta just do what you can and keep it pushing. (laughs) I also feel like, I mean, mother or not, a lot of people took that approach to a lot of the last year, at least as time went on, it was like, I cannot sit in this home for the upteenth day and have all this anxiety about something that Mm -hmm. I couldn't control. And there were things that I changed in my routine that made a huge difference, similar to you, not watching the news in the morning. And I do not have any little ones running around, but I stopped setting an alarm in the morning just because there were small things that I knew that would help me give back to my mental health and just like be status quo at least (laughs) to start things off. Getting outside um, was huge for me. So I made a point, even if I felt tired or whatever, but immediately when I, because I we went out to California May 14th and Governor Newsom shut everything down the next day. Like we left New York, we got to Oakland and literally Cali shut down. And I ended up staying, making the decision to stay in Cali and have Baldwin there. Um, and we didn't come back to New York until January 28th. So I was literally, I learned a lot in for many reasons, but for our particular situation, I left with two weeks worth of suit luggage and I came back with a whole human. You know what I mean? So I realized there's very little that you need outside of your peace of mind and your happiness and your health. And I think people now are realizing your mental health is a part of your health. And a lot of people had to look in the mirror and deal with things that a busy lifestyle could help you kind of ignore. And so for me, I know I'm like a fitness instructor. And I think the first focus for people is aesthetics. And the physical for me is number three. Like it's 
it is absolutely your mental. And that's how I got into this career path. It's it's your well-being inside. And then I think people forget to ask themselves how they're feeling. Like the movement you choose should make you feel good. It shouldn't be, I'm going to do 80 burpees until I can't walk and I don't feel good. Hard to the point of incapacitating yourself is not effective or healthy. Um, And then, yeah, when you look in the mirror and you like what you see, that keeps you coming back to the movement. But that shouldn't be your first goal, in my opinion, because to me, that's where all the negative self-talk comes when you don't hit those random numbers or sizes or comparisons to other people and all that kind of stuff. When you feel good, you feel good, you know, and that that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Well, you mentioned the buzzword mirror. You also obviously started to talk about fitness. When you identify yourself or you introduce yourself to someone, what are usually like the first things that you say about yourself? I know because I do just about eight things. (laughs) I say, you know, I usually say where I'm from. So I say, hi, I'm Rachel Nix. I am from Oakland, California. I reside in Harlem in New York City. Um, I am an actor. I am a trainer at Mir. I am a doula, a lactation counselor, a mother of two. And that's usually my list. But now I'm a founder of a nonprofit. So that's kind of like kind of fun to put first. Like, <laughs> But it's a beautiful thing. And I really feel like I'm walking in my purpose and something. I birthed my baby girl. So I have two amazing little boys. And now I've given birth to a baby girl. And her name is Birth Queen. And something about me is I'm a doer and I, I am always going to tell you I'm fine. Um, even when I'm not, cause I know I will be, that's just the choice. That's how I live my life. And so this year was not fine being petrified to possibly lose my black sons for the rest of my life is not fun. Um, I had a vision in September to collect black birth stories to just the artist in me was like, maybe if, People just see us, right? They'll see us um, and our humanity and our oneness and similarity and value that. And that morphed into out of my anxiety attacks this summer from being pregnant to me deciding that I want to tackle the Black maternal health crisis. So if people are, are not aware, Black women diet three to five times the rate during childbirth and 12 times the rate in New York City um, compared to their white counterparts. Our babies are twice as likely to not make their first birthday. Our breastfeeding rates are lower. Our miscarriage rates are higher, Um, you know, and it's all connected to racism. We know that is why we are not broken. The system is broken. And so um, it can sound very hopeless and, and an insurmountable um, crisis that, and it'll just kind of make you throw your hands up. And instead of doing that, I'm like, let me get my hands dirty and fix it. So I am a doula. I am a lactation counselor, a trainer, a mother, and also an actor, right? So I have this interesting um, multidisciplinary skill set, and I just feel like, fine, let me call upon everybody I know to pool resources and raise money to disseminate it to pre-existing organizations doing the work to provide Black mothers with education and support and to also give money and provide opportunities for more Black birth workers to be educated, trained, and implemented into the field. Because we know when 
you put those two together, lives will not only be saved, but they'll be able to thrive as opposed to I'm going to fix racism or the system. Right. Uh, That's going to take a little bit longer. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But it's still so impressive to hear you say the words. Well, like I decided that I was going to do something about the black maternal health crisis. Like, that's no, I mean, not that. Not that that is like a small hurdle to jump over. And that's so admirable and a testament to your passion, to your tenacity, and to how much it means to you as a Black mother. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, I think people need to hear this and maybe it will help them. These two things. One, every Black woman I know is questioning motherhood because they're afraid they're going to die. Then... We have our babies. Say our, say, mom and baby survive. Then we're afraid you're going to kill them. The cops are going to kill them for the rest of our lives. So there's this constant state of trauma that we exist in and we have to get used to it as Black people to survive. But I'm very interested in not a lack mindset or a survival mindset for Black people anymore, but that of joy and abundance. We our, our ancestors are from Africa, the most abundant continent, kings, queens, you know, jewels, every amazing resource you could think of. That's what we come from. And so con- reconnecting to that in the midst of all of this pain and racism and all of those things. But what you can do is choose joy. And so if somebody asks me, like, how do you do all that you do? I make a choice to choose joy. That's it. It's not always easy. It's not. It's a choice. It's like you don't always want to go to school. You don't always want to go to work. Don't always want to pay your bills. But it's some things you just have to do. So your mindset, right, is the same thing. You might not always want to do it. Just do it. You know, I just kind of like throw the spaghetti and see what sticks. And then the stuff that falls, I'm like, I guess it wasn't meant to be. (laughs) (laughs) I love that for you. I think I'm going to work on picking up the spaghetti mentality. So then naturally for me, my next question to you is aside from your boys, what brings you joy? I love to travel. I love wine. I love life. So what does that look like for me? Connecting to people. So the actor in me loves humans and their stories. So this was hard for me to be disconnected from people. I love to cook and have people over and host. I've traveled quite a bit around the world and been very blessed to do that. It's, I think it's like the real, the intangibles of life mm. um, and the real simple things. Stuff is not my happy. I mean, you know, do I like nice things? Sure. But self-care is an experience. So what does that look like for me? Like I committed to making sure I have a trainer so that I can be Rachel and have adult conversation and take care of Rachel. So because I love to to pour out of my cup, I know it needs to be a full cup. And so I have to always make sure I'm good so that I can give and give endlessly and and giving and helping people truly. Like one day my dad might make my dad sound like an asshole, but one day I was crossing the street in New York City I don't know. I probably was like, and now I'm going to be a doula. And then I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to, you know, and he's like, why do you like to help people so much? And that kind of sums me up. I just really love to help people. And it makes me, it makes me really happy. 
to help people and, and love on people. So I think if I had to give you one thing, that was like 85, but there's your one. <laughs> well, I mean, the reason before why I asked you the question, like, how do you introduce yourself? Like, where, where are you coming from when you, when you get asked that question is because I think from the mom POV, some mm. mothers are like, I'm a mother. Other mothers like may leave that out at the front. And I think that that's something as someone who is not yet a mother, I'm so interested in that because mm. I don't think necessarily, and again, I'm not a mom yet, but I don't necessarily think one is right or wrong, but I do think it's really interesting to see, you know, where women are coming from with their sense of identity, because I think it's so important to, as you just said, take care of Rachel, like start with Rachel so that you can then be a mom. Yeah. And, and hence the title birth queen of my uh, nonprofit. Women are magic, right? When you become a mother that you are sitting at the helm, you're a queen. Very rarely do we feel that way, but it is imperative that we take care of ourselves just as a queen, delegate whatever you need to do, but self-care and it can be your nails. It can be your eyebrows, your hair, but it also needs to be a pelvic floor therapist or acupuncture or mental therapy, whatever you need to be good as you, because you were you before you were mom, wife, partner, employee, brother, sister, who are you? And I think many of us, mother or not, struggle with even figuring that out. And I think we've been sold in our society that it's an arrival, like you just kind of arrive at who you are and then it stops. And I'm a lover of learning. I love to stretch and grow and keep climbing. You know, to me, if you stop, you die, like figuratively. Um, and it's just like, keep pushing. My godfather's 80 and he's still, you know, like maybe I'll take a day off work. Is he retired? Yes. But there's all, he, he craves and thrives off of life and change and giving and, and creating. Um, and, and I see myself absolutely in him. And I think we put limitations on ourselves and we go into overdrive typically as mom. So it's always about everybody else. And that quickly is not a fun place to be. Mm. Uh, and, and it's okay to step away from that. And, and you need to. And it's not about working or non-working mom. And I, I want to make that um, clear because many non-working moms feel that they don't deserve to step out of the home and have self-care because they may not contribute financially. And that is crazy. Like being a non 24 seven mom is, that is no joke. That's amazing work that I am not here to do. <laughs> I had to do during quarantine. And I was like, yo, I need to go to work. This is crazy. <laughs> I mean, to be pregnant with a toddler and still working remotely, um, during quarantine, I was like, Whew, no. And I couldn't have no wine. It was rude. <laughs> it was really rude. It was so rude. <laughs> rude. You mentioned for you, one of the simple joys, having your own 
trainer. For many, you are their trainer. Talk to me before I get into some mom-centric questions about your journey to getting into fitness, because I know that you went to Juilliard, studied acting, and have had just so many different beautiful chapters of your story. So talk to me about uh, Rachel, who works at The Mirror. Fitness has been a part of my life since forever, right? Um, I think it's fair to say I'm a a fast-moving personality, but I began gymnastics at the age of two. I played soccer for eight years, basketball for five, volleyball for three. So movement and sports was my foundation. And then, you know, leadership, acting started to creep in um, in like middle school and high school. And then I had to make a decision and Juilliard happened. And I was like, uh, nobody was expecting that. So because I was pretty, you know, I'm a nerd. So I was thinking like, you know, Columbia, Stanford, UCLA, NYU. And then when Juilliard called, I was like, uh, OK, I didn't think that was possible, but here we go. Um, and so I dove head first and then, you know, you're like, okay, what next? You don't want me waiting your table. So, um, I started taking a lot of yoga after college. I ended up being in a very unhealthy relationship and I realized, um, it was sustaining me after I did my training. So I was really curious about it. I did the training just to learn more about the philosophy. That's, you know, the nerd in me was like, what is this thing? I want to learn more. And when I started teaching, I was like, whoa, it just like blew my mind. I was like, I get the same joy from teaching in a classroom that I do from being on stage or whatever. And so, um, I loved it. And then I, I just went on from there. It gave me the strength to leave an unhealthy relationship. And then I just certified in all the things I was in LA between Dallas and LA at the time I decided to move back to New York. Um, cause that was my happy place and a whole career was born. I was able to gain my independence, my confidence, my physical strength, my mental and emotional strength from it. So it's also has a big a lot to do with my approach to fitness, right? And my, the mental piece and the confidence and self-love piece. And so Mir happened um, when I was very pregnant with Samuel. That morning I cried to my husband, like, how the hell are we going to have a baby in New York City? And um, that night at nine o'clock, it was 6.30 in the morning when I cried about it. At 9 p.m., um, I got an email from Mir. And the rest is history. I had my son a month after that, but I signed within like a week or two. Um, I actually had Samuel on the same day as my founder's son. They're a year apart. So I figured that was a good omen after um, 33 hours of labor. I was like, oh, you and George just wanted the same birthday. Got it. <laughs> Mommy made the right choice. Um, and that has just been a dream. You know, during my fitness career, I became a doula years before becoming a mom. I've been a doula like eight years. And then I got my lactation training right at, right before I had Samuel. Um, and I'm just able to help women around the country, a little bit around the world. It'll be more so as we expand. Um, and I have a niche on there of pre and postnatal fitness um, that I'm very proud of. Um, and I'm really helping women and creating community and support and confidence and empowerment. Um, and yes, my nonprofit is tackling um, a maternal health crisis for Black women, but I know that every day my work empowers every woman. And, and I'm really, really very proud of that. 
as you have continued on your journey in motherhood, two sons now, I'm sure you have uh, accumulated many tidbits of <laughs> advice. Yes. If you had to think about, and I know like, please, so many tidbits that picking one is probably absolutely impossible. But if you had to reflect on something that you continually go back to, a piece of advice that someone offered you, what is that piece of advice? Okay. So that is one thing. My mother always said, it's your body and your baby. So only you know what's best for your body and your baby. I live and die by that. So your pregnancy, your birth, and your mothering, trust your instincts. Don't let anybody take your power. So that's one ode to mommy. The other is, if I had to hashtag it, is beautiful chaos. And it's coming full circle too. And it gives me chills as I say that. When you fit those moments when you're like, oh my God, the house is a fucking mess and this is not done. And oh, and you get there. Like I choose joy and I have my wine, y'all, but I'm still like, my house is a fucking mess. And this shit is driving me crazy. My husband's on my nerves. Everybody getting on my nerves. Okay. There's Nerf guns everywhere and darts everywhere and baby toys that barfed over my apartment. Like it's just like all the things. And, and especially during this year, right? Because you get no break. And then it's like, oh, time for another meal and more dishes. So those moments, you know, that the toddler spills something, everybody's screaming, you just have to stop and watch and say, it's okay. As silly as it might sound, go back to what I said, choose joy, especially in those moments where it's a hot mess. Like truly, if, if everyone is alive, you will get through the insane moment. Morning's gonna come. The tantrum's gonna end. You'll clean up the mess eventually. It's okay. And, and whose standards are you living by? They're yours. You're putting that stress on yourself. Nobody's outside your house stress, you know, judging you. And if they are, they're whack. You know, it's okay. Everything doesn't have to look perfect for your friends or for the gram or for none of that. And I make conscious decisions not to show perfection because that shit's not real. And I'm cursing because I need people to understand we have to stop putting these crazy expectations on ourselves, especially as women. There's only so much time in a day. So enjoy your babies. Enjoy them because you blink and like they're big and like they don't care about no clean living room or sink empty. Like they don't care. You know, they think it's fun that they poured all their water out and now it's spilling through the table and down the chair. Like it's a science experiment. You're like, great. <laughs> so yeah, just enjoy the crazy, the beautiful chaos. Has mothering changed your perspective on a lot? Or do you feel that some of you know, the lessons that you're sharing with us today, which many of them I've even reiterated, like are so relevant across the board. Um, do you feel like you had this approach to life before or has being a mom really shifted your perspective? No, it's just made me uh, dig deeper. Is that the proper probably way to describe it? I had my values and my morals. Um, I think when you're younger, you're like, I, I was clear who I was, but then, you know, not everybody likes that. So you kind of second guess yourself here and there along the way. And now I just, I just, I have full confidence in everything I do for my boys. I'll apologize if I lose my temper or I mess something up or, um, 
I have a relationship with him. And I also made the decision to tell him the truth. I remember I was disappointed about uh, not being able to audition for something one day and it hit me and I started crying. And he was like, he was almost two, I think. And he whipped his head around in the stroller and we were in the hallway and I like, I immediately shut down like, and decided to lie to him. But I questioned that. And I was like, why would I lie to my child? Like, I'm not okay. I'm sad. And that's okay. And so I've created, I think absolutely God made Samuel who he is. But I, I have some part in that. And he is the most empathetic little three-year-old I've ever met in my life. And I'm really, really proud of that. And that's going to take him far. And I prayed when I was pregnant for a healthy, happy, and kind human being. Because with all the, you know, I got pregnant during the election, the first, you know, the last one. And then I was pregnant again during this one. And I just wanted a nice person. All this venom has come out and anger and hatred. And I don't understand hate. And I want children that are loving, accepting, and empathetic human beings. And I absolutely have that with Samuel and Baldwin is just like the happiest little almost seven month old tomorrow that, you know, you probably ever met with his little thick thighs. Um, so he's amazing, but yeah, I don't, I haven't, um, I've, I am still who I am. I have allowed myself to question ways in which maybe I was parented or people in general parent, Mm. because it's like, wait, why, why do we do that? I think it's more of that. Like, why would I lie to my son and say I'm happy if I'm sad? Because it actually, his, you know, science proves it messes with, you know, their intuition. If they're feeling that, they're, that their mom is sad and their mom's like, no, I'm not sad, then they're like, oh, okay, what? something's off. And that affects them too, not for good. I'm very blessed not to deal with guilt, not to deal with uh, anxiety or questioning myself. Um, I think it's just cause I just am doing my best and that that's all I can do. And it's not about being perfect. And I think if we reach for perfection, that's a very, it's just not, it's not a fun existence cause it's, it doesn't exist. So if, if you reach for growth, if you reach for challenge, if you reach for honesty and joy, then that you can deal with. But this idea of perfection, then you're always going to feel disappointed or wrong or whatever. And one day your definition of perfection is going to be different than the next day, right? So if we're constantly chasing this thing that is not clearly defined, then what an exhausting life that is when you can find happiness and contentment with the beautiful things that are already in existence in what you have going on. Correct. And another little thing I've said along the years is like always leaving space on your plate to receive blessings and to see and hear what universe or spirit is giving or bringing to you, which also when you deal in mothering, motherhood, being able to be present, it's very difficult because there's always something you need to do or isn't getting done or. And so just like sitting and doing the puzzle or you know, playing catch or whatever it is. And that's it. You know, I think if we all get better at doing one thing at a time, you're able to enjoy that thing. 
You mentioned empathy before as a value that you're really happy that you're passing along to your children. When you think about uh, other values of yours, what of those are you excited to instill in your boys as they get older? Um, what's big right now, top of mind is, uh, emotional well-being, being able to communicate your feelings, being able to identify and communicate feelings. Very big on that. I know I'm a Pisces and an actor, but that helps you in relationship with others and with yourself. If you don't know what's going on with you, you can't help yourself and nobody else can either. And so I'll give you an example. We were at Target. He told me that he needed a new remote control car and he believed that Target would have the car. So we should go to Target, mommy. And I said, okay, Samuel, let's go to Target. And we're trying, I'm trying to teach him, excuse me, right? So he gets it. But he's like, so say we were talking, he's like, excuse me, mommy, mommy. <laughs> You're like, okay, well, hold on. <laughs> so he doesn't quite understand. Excuse me means, okay, then I'm going to take a breath and I have to be patient and let that person finish their thought. And then they'll respond to me. And I like didn't get my feathers ruffled and I had Baldwin and everything. And I looked at him and I was like, honey, we, mommy didn't get a chance to finish her thought. And I heard you, but remember what we said. You say, excuse me. And then you have to allow someone to finish their thought. And then they can communicate with you. What is it that you need? And the guy was like, wow, I hope when I have kids one day, I can stay that calm and make it that clear to them. And I said, well, it's like he just wants something from me. And if, why would you not want it now? Like, I have to teach him that. And it's okay. Like, Yes, he screamed. Yes, people heard him scream. Does that make him a horrible human? Does that make me a horrible human? No. But yes, and I would say emotional well-being, being able to identify and communicate feelings and staying true to yourself, which kind of goes back to understanding like your feelings and who you are and what it is you want. Um, I have a very non-traditional path. I am, you know, gangbusters, Rachel Elizabeth Nix. I don't care what other people think about me. And it's not that I don't give a shit about people. It's I don't give a shit about their opinion because opinions are like, you know what? So if you're judging me, I know that actually has nothing to do with me and my path. That has everything to do with you and whether you're on the path you need to be. I'm curious, when you think about being a mom, what does being a mom mean to you? It's not all that I am, but it's an opportunity to become better. My boys make me better. I have an opportunity to grow and make better choices every day. Not just for them, but also for myself. Um... They made they for damn sure it made me a better businesswoman, which I always like to tell mothers, go for your dreams. I'm completely a crazy person to found a nonprofit, but go after your dreams. They're watching you. That's it. Love is it. Joy is it. It's like, you know, we live in this hashtag world. If I had to boil down what I do and how I get through my day, it's like I just make the choice to be joyful filled. 
and filled with joy and like just go after life and enjoy it. And it's just, it's just more fun that way. Right now, you have an opportunity to offer the Rachel pre-Samuel one piece of advice, period. It could be about motherhood. It could be about whatever you want. What do you tell her? Stop worrying about boys so much. Ooh, I was so in love with love, child. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I was tenacious about relationships because I knew I wanted to be a mom. But I gave men too much of my attention and my time. Wait, I've got to know how you how you settled on your husband, which is not how I thought that we would end up going here. But how did how did you know that your husband was the man that you wanted to both marry and be have babies with? Because I asked him on the first date, this is what I want. I was like, you're from Alabama. I'm not living there. Do you need to live there? Great. Okay, I want kids. I this is who I am. You want kids? Great. You want to be married? Great. Like I it was like 85 questions on the first date, and we were aligned. And that was my that's the most important thing to me. You should be in a relationship because you want to be. Full stop. It needs to work for both people. It takes two. It ain't always easy. But this this notion of like, we just going to ride it out just because we signed a piece of paper. No. Mm-mm. That, that You need to work harder than that. And so um, I don't believe in getting comfortable. And and it's okay to change. I think we put too much emphasis on something like lasting or working. People change jobs. People change cities. I mean, like things change. It doesn't make you a perfect person, a good person, a bad person. I think staying true to yourself and your partner is really important. But you don't need a man to be you. Absolutely beautiful way to close us out here. I'm so appreciative to your perspective. And I think just really the take home for me from this conversation is that yes, like being a mother teaches you so many things, but ultimately a lot of the lessons that you've learned are helping you in every single aspect of your life. And they are those of strength and empathy and kindness and owning your value. And those are themes, again, whether you're a mother or not, that are so, so important to walk with. Rachel, how do the hurdlers keep up with you? How do they follow along with you? Give me all your details. Okay, so please follow me at Rachel E. Nix. And please also follow at birthqueen.org. I would love, love, love your support as I embark on this journey to save um, lives and empower women to thrive. Um, There's a lot of ways you can get involved. Also visit my website, birthqueen.org. And um, I appreciate your time and you listening. I feel very honored to um, that you've asked me to do this even. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm sure a lot of people are super grateful for your time and all of your takeaways. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. 